0: Y'all forgot about this one. I know you forgot about this one. Going for my 19th straight copyright strike. I don't give a fuck, baby. It's Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, baby. Little flow rider? Is there any artist that pretty much just captures? The early 2010s, like Flo Rida, Pitbull, just guys like that, when pop music was fun. Pop music used to be fun. There was a time when every night was the night. That's how you know a song came out in the late 2000s or early 2010s. Every night was the night. It's baby, the man. DJ got us falling in love again. It was happy. It was happy. Tonight is a night. Every fucking song. I'm only gonna break, break ya. All those hits. They were happy. What happened to that? We don't have happy... Pop now is like whispering Billie Eilish. <laughs> That's pop? I'm bumping this at the club? Tonight is not the night when you're listening to Billie Eilish. Olivia Rodrigo? I do like that one song, but that's... I've had it with her. I've had it with her. Anyway. Enough hating on modern music. Uh... My name is Jimmy Selesky. It's Valentine's Day. I wore my sweetest shirt. This is not my most Swedish shirt. This is my sweetest shirt. This is uh, brought to you by Sweetwater. So sweet, Sweetwater, probably the best music store online. Can't recommend it enough. I'm not actually sponsored by them, but I'd consider it. I actually I am sponsored by them. They send me so much candy and email me so much and text me sometimes and call me sometimes and leave me voicemails. Hey, just checking in on how that piece of equipment you got is working for you. Let me know if you have any questions. Dude, they are the best. Some people might find that annoying. No. Uh, In a world of nobody doing their job and nobody giving a fuck, it is very refreshing to deal with a company that gives too much of a fuck. I'll take that over the alternative any day. Now, Let's get down to business, folks. Once again, it is Valentine's Day. February 14th, St. Valentine. I don't know what he did. Well, imagine he definitely fucked, though. You got to be a pretty good patron saint to uh, have your holiday be this one. He, This guy must have been romantic as all get out. Was that Cupid? Cupid was an angel. St. Valentine, I don't know. There's a lot of lore. I, I got to be honest. I've never been a big fan of Valentine's Day. Um, uh, and that's not... I'm not just saying that now because I'm recently out of a relationship. I cried just a little. That's not why I'm saying it. I'm saying it... Maybe part of it is that I, I, I worked in the restaurant industry for so long um, that it just tainted my view on the holiday. Um, you know, when you, when you work in restaurants... Valentine's Day is like ground zero. It is absolute Armageddon. It's probably the biggest day of the year next to I would say I would I would imagine it's probably second to No, I would say it's it's first. Mo- uh I would say Mother's Day is runner up. I was going to say um Mother's Day might be first place. Because everyone has a mother, but not everyone has a girlfriend or a wife. But that's not necessarily true. Not everyone's mother is alive. And also, not everyone is like, oh, let's take mom out to dinner. A lot of people do. Valentine's Day, however, that's like, no, that's like what you do. And if you're smart, you take your girlfriend out a couple days after Valentine's Day. This year, it's a Wednesday. Take your girl out on a Friday. Take your girl out this Friday. That's the way to do it. Why are you, you going to go to a restaurant on a Wednesday night just to, be, just to have to you know wait or, or have a reservation place eight weeks in fucking advance and then feel like you're rushed the whole time because the server's trying to turn and burn. You got like six more reservations coming in trying to use your table. That's not a relaxing experience. I hate going to restaurants feeling like they want me in and out. I hate that. I, I like to go in there and spend money. You know, if I'm going to go out, if I'm going to go out, I do it right. I don't fuck around when I go out, all right? I go in there, I get a bottle. Of, if I'm having a nice dinner, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a, a cocktail before anything comes out. Before I even get to the table, I'm walking up to the bar grabbing a cocktail. Take it to the fucking table. Can I get you any drinks? Way ahead of you, buddy. Why don't you get me a water or something? I already got the old-fashioned slash Negroni slash whatever I'm sipping on. I already got that one taken care of get that going appetizers yeah we're getting appetizers all right they have them there for a reason I need to get appetized I need to wet my appetite give me that shit entree I don't care how much it costs I'm not fucking loaded but I also don't go out to dinner every fucking day so I'm getting whatever I want you know obviously to a point I'm not going to get something that I think is unjustifiably expensive like sometimes they'll just charge, you know, $150 for a steak. I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that. I, don't think that. I don't think that any particular dish is possibly worth that much money. I just don't get it. But if you got a steak and lobster thing for like 50, 60 bucks, yeah, I'll get that. I'll get that. I'm not, I'm not unreasonable, but I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, stingy or cheap either. I know how much money it costs to have a good time, and I'm willing to spend that money. Um, uh, and yeah, in case you were wondering, we are getting fucking dessert. I cannot stand a. Uh, now I'm good. I cannot stand a no dessert for me, motherfucker. Is there anything where it's almost rude? I actually, I think it's actually rude that when you're out with someone else to not at least entertain the possible possibility of dessert, because what if they want dessert? Dessert's always that point in the meal where you almost feel like you're potentially being a glutton, or you almost feel guilty, and you kind of are. If you're the if you're the guy who likes dessert, I like a slice of cheesecake. I like a scoop of ice cream. Sue me. But it's that point in the it's that point in the meal where it's like, I'll I want it, but I'm gonna feel weird getting it unless you're down to like split something with me, or like get something you on yourself as well so we can kind of do this together but if i'm not gonna get it if you're just gonna be a fucking weirdo about it it's like no i don't want to eat dessert oh my god no no thank you that's rude you should be down to ride you should be down to ride if you get even the slightest inclination that someone else at your table wants dessert get fucking dessert or you're an asshole that's why i said it you're a fucking asshole if you don't want to eat it there put it in a box take it home don't make people feel weird about enjoying themselves well, you don't have to feel weird. Get Just get dessert if you want it, and I won't. No. How about no? How about you get fucking dessert? You're the weird one for not wanting it. I'm not the weird one for wanting it. I'm not the weird one for feeling guilty while everyone else just sits here and watch me eat a slice of cake. Okay? That's rude. Almost, I, I, I'm not even going to get into it. I'll get into this later, but I almost kind of think it's rude if you meet up with a pal at a bar and he gets a beer and then you don't get a beer. Now you've just made him feel like a weirdo for drinking a beer. Hey, we're two guys hanging out. We're at a fucking bar. Get a goddamn beer. What are you, uh, Mother Teresa? You can't drink a fucking beer? Going to make me feel like a weirdo for drinking a beer? That's what you're doing. You're making other people feel weird. It's almost like a flex. I don't like the flex. Get dessert, get a beer. Shut up. Be a man. Be a person. Be a dude. Anyway. Um that's why I don't like going on Valentine's Day. But uh, you know, regardless, I thought that I might not to take a negative spin on this wonderful holiday. Um but, you know, I I I've heard a lot in the media people using the term red flag. Red flag has been a term forever. In fact, believe it or not, it didn't originate uh, in the context of relationships. It was actually, I believe, um, a reference to, I think in like construction or something, they like mark stuff with red flags that might cause potential um, problems down the line. So, or Or like maybe not even just construction, maybe like if you're going through a document like on... I would imagine construction is probably where it started. Like they literally had those little metal things with like a red flag on it and they'd stick it in the ground. So we that has then made its way to uh, relationships and things, which are traits uh, that someone exhibits that are markers of problems down the road. And so I wanted to do... Something I'm calling, I'm referring to as the Valentine's Day red flag special. That's right. We're going to go through the top 10 red flags for guys. We're going to go through the top 10 red flags for girls. And then we're going to just run through the top 10 red flags that apply to everyone, to both genders. Because there are certain red flags that are more specific to a gender but then there's other ones that are just across the board. Whether you're a guy or a girl, it's a bad look. And I want to just say something before I really get into it, and and after I check to make sure I'm recording for the uh, at least third time uh, in the past 15 minutes. I promise this is my last look. I'm recording. We're good. If you see me look again, call me a bitch in the comments. I wanna I want to just make something, just to put something on the table. A little, uh, you know. Preface before we get into it, you may notice I'm not including things like beats you, uh, cheats on you, things like that. Because the purpose of a red flag is kind of like a, a marker, like a little hint, like a little thing that could be a problem that, you know, down the line or, or is, a, is a, um, evidence of, of something larger. A red flag is not like relationship ending shit. Like in my opinion if somebody cheats on you that's not a red flag. That's a that's a game over. There's no like, "Hmm, oh, she fucked her coworker. This could be a, d- a problem down the l-. No. That's a fucking problem now and and it's over. It's over. Uh, you know, if your boyfriend or husband beats you, well, huh? I mean this this might be evidence of a larger problem that my boyfriend just beat the shit up no it, it, get the fuck out those aren't those aren't red flags okay that's not what a red flag is so what we're talking about in this segment in this little special are things that could be problems that when um that if they are if there's too much of them, they could be relationship-ending, but not necessarily. Um, and and usually it you need you might require a few you know maybe two three or more of these in combination to truly be a deal breaker. Now that being said, too much of any one of these things or most of these things could individually be a deal breaker, but the, a lot of that is subjective because I don't think that any of these things in and of themselves are grounds for immediate breakup. So that's kind of where I drew the line, okay? So if you hear these uh, things, you're like, how come you didn't include, uh, you know, this, that? Because we're doing things that could, we're doing red flags, okay? So let's get started, and I want to start, I guess we can kind of alternate before we get into the the overall ones. Let's, Um, I, I'm going to actually, I'm going to start with the the ones that apply to both, I was I was planning on doing this the other way around, but I actually think I actually think it's more fun once you get into the gender specific red flags. I think that's just more entertaining, at least for me. So I don't want to start there and then, you know, close it out with the. If your partner is a bad communicator, that could be. Evidence of a larger... Now, let's get that out of the way now. Let's just talk about some general red flags. The top 10 unisex red flags in a relationship. We are going to start with an honorable mention. This one was higher in the list, but, um, you know, I wanted to do a top 10, and uh, I had 11. So I think this is how the Honorable Mention was invented. I, th- I believe it was uh, 1864 when Phil Honorable Mention coined <laughs> this amazing concept with the world's first Honorable Mention. And uh, our Honorable Mention for unisex red flags doesn't work out ever. That's the one. That's what it is. That person never works out. No fitness at all. No level of fitness at all. Now, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that one, and and I don't think it's necessarily that big of a thing, which is why it's not even in the top 10. It's an honorable mention. I just wanted to throw that in there because I think it is a thing. Now, when I say doesn't work out, I don't mean they don't go to the gym five times a week. I don't mean they're not constantly obsessing over their physical fitness and watching every single thing they eat and 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 every calorie and everything because that's a red flag too. That's also a red flag. Which uh but if a person absolutely has no relationship with fitness whatsoever, this kind of bleeds into other things like they never played sports in high school at all. I think that's kind of like physical fitness is part of a well-rounded lifestyle. It's not just about aesthetics, it's not just about vanity. It, you know, like your mind and body are one. And and someone who is completely lacking in every degree, I don't even care if they're hot. There's a lot of people that when you're when you're in your early 20s, late teens, you can just be fit looking for no reason having never worked out so a lot of people you know in in college coming out of high school especially early college they're just hot for no reason they're just they just they're skinny they look good they never lifted a weight in their life you know girls never fucking jogged a day in her life but she's just skinny and fit and whatever and trim but that all goes away once you get to your mid to late 20s OK, once you get to your mid to late 20s and especially your 30s, uh, nobody's hot for free anymore. Being hot costs costs time, sometimes money, but definitely time. It takes effort. OK, it takes effort to be in shape. And uh, I think that, you know, nobody's asking that their partner or shouldn't be asking that the partner is a fucking uh, you know, prime physical specimen at all times, but, you know, you should be putting in somewhat of an effort for your partner to stay attractive. I do believe that. I, 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 I'm sorry, I do. I'm sorry, I do. When, when somebody says to you, hey, I'm agreeing to never have sex with anybody else for the rest of my life other than you, don't you feel like you might owe them at least trying to be Sexually attractive, and that's one aspect of it. But also, like I said, there's so many other aspects of physical fitness in terms of just being a well-rounded person, being a healthier person. It helps with anxiety. It helps with tension. It helps with physical health. Literally, physical health. Um, There's so many reasons uh, to to fucking to work out on some level or another. And 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 if they just absolutely don't have any of that going on? It's a little bit of a red flag, I think, for both sexes. Um, moving on, number ten. I think some people would think this should be higher, and I, I, I could, I could be convinced to put it higher too. I do think it's a big one, but I think all of these are pretty big, especially towards the top. So that's the fact that this next one's number ten should should be evidence of how heavy we're gonna get. Um, vegan, vegetarian. And you know what? I'm going to throw in this one too. Doesn't drink at all, ever. Doesn't touch alcohol. I'm throwing that in here too. That one might be divisive. But vegan, vegetarian, that is a fucking, a little bit of a red flag. It's annoying, okay? It's annoying. It's it's kind of, look, let me put it this way. If in your own daily life... um. You want to practice veganism. You, you, you try to not eat meat. You try to not eat dairy products. And for the most part, you don't. But you know what? If you go to someone else's house for dinner and they make spaghetti and meatballs, maybe you get it, maybe you spoon out the sauce without the meatballs, so you get away with not eating the meat. But if you're gonna be one of those people, well, you know, the meat is the meat touched the sauce and uh, you know, uh, she mixed some Parmesan into it, and, and I think she might have put some butter on the noodle. Th- at that point, it's—I think there's a degree of selfishness involved. I think there's a degree of—I don't want to say narcissism, but it is a little self-indulgent to, um, that most—to to recognize that most people are not vegans or vegetarians— People go out of their way sometimes to provide options for vegans or vegetarians. Um, but w- at so- certain points, if you're, like I said, if you're planning a dinner or if you're having people over your house, and you're not gonna fucking buy regular pizza and shit because you're a vegan, even though everyone that everyone that's coming over isn't a vegan and wants regular pizza, not fucking cauliflower, uh, tofu p- pizza. Like, just get them regular pizza. Don't impose your shit on everyone around you. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happens when you take on a diet that is that strict. You can't go out to a restaurant with your partner if they're not also vegan without... Well, you're never gonna be able to split anything. Maybe I get mozzarella sticks. Maybe I get some calamari. We can't split. It, like, if it, it fucks with the relationship. Unless you're both vegan or vegetarian, it fucks with the relationship. And... The reason I threw doesn't drink in there as well is uh, when I say doesn't drink, I don't mean like, oh, I'm not really a big drinker. That's fine. No, I'm not saying you have to be a big drinker. I'm saying if you absolutely cannot fucking touch alcohol under any circumstances, it's a red flag. I'm sorry. Either you're a former alcoholic, which is... Uh, sorry it's kind of a red flag like a former drug addict is kind of a red flag again none of these things are relationship enders but the fact that you were such a slave to a substance at some point in your life and continue to be such a slave to a substance that even the mere sipping of it could send you off the fucking deep end that's the definition of a red flag again what's a red flag again? A little marker that signifies something that could pose an issue down the line. Guess what? If a drop of alcohol touching your tongue could send you into a spiral, that's a red flag. So, and also there's the other things. You go out to the bar. You, you want to you wanna go out with your wife and have a glass of wine. You, we can't have a gla- glass of wine. We can't have a little, um, you know, drunk sex on New Year's. Like, I don't know. I like drinking. I'm not saying that you have to get fucking wasted with me and shit. But, like, the fact that we can't, like, you know, like I said, have a glass of wine or, like, make little mojitos on a summer day and, and enjoy them together. It's kind of like, again, it just kind of fucks with the relationship. It takes a whole element out that I think is could be a problem unless both of you are like that. Um, uh, next, no hobbies. No hobbies. This one, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it kind of goes without saying um, and it kind of bleeds into uh, another one down the line that I might spend a little bit more time on. But it kind, like I said, it goes without saying. You need to have a life because what happens is if a person doesn't have a life, Outside the relationship, it's extremely constricting for the other partner who does have a life. It causes problems. You need to have interests outside of your job, which is likely not even an interest, it's just your job. Like, what kind of person is that that just has, that does nothing? Like, when you're off, you just sit on Instagram, scroll through your phone, and watch Netflix? That's not a hobby. Watching TV is not a hobby. Like, is there nothing that you're passionate about? Is there nothing that you enjoy doing? You don't like drawing? You don't like, you know, going out to the park and, you know, walking your dog, taking a hike, whatever? Like, nothing? Again, that kind of goes into the no fitness thing where it's like you're just not like a complete person if you have no Passions or interests It's kind of a red flag I'm going to turn this heater down again Because my takes are getting hotter by the, by the moment I'm not going to lie I snuck a look at the thing to make sure it's recording I'm so weird about that dude. I have like kind of weird neuroticisms And stuff like that That I'm calling out Maybe that's a red flag um, Let's see As I weirdly blink Um, number eight, addicted to your phone. That is a bigger deal than you think. I am not a phone guy. I have a phone. I use my phone. I use my phone probably for, for, I I would say, in terms of what I ask out of my phone, probably more than the average person because I'm constantly uploading clips and editing stuff and things like that but outside of that I people call me and and I have a reputation for never picking up and people text me and I have kind of a reputation for getting back to them a few you know hours later or whatever and I in many cases genuinely was not looking at my phone for a long time, I've, I've always kind of had shitty phones, which means they always are on low battery, which means I always, has, always have them sitting on a charger somewhere um, away from me. So I think maybe the combination of that, along with just the fact that I'm just not that type of person in general, it kind of leads, like I, my phone is kind of like a landline in many ways. Not all the time. If I'm sitting at the computer desk, my phone is there. But sometimes I have it on Do Not Disturb. Sometimes I have it on Do Not Disturb right now. I'm not fucking picking up. You know, like, obviously, that goes without saying, but it's kind of a, like, it, that one kind of bleeds into the no hobbies thing. It's like, what are you doing? Like, people that are just constantly on their phone. I cannot stand when people are in a, a room of people and they're just on their, you ever have those moments where you're sitting in a room and there's, like, four people and then you realize at one moment that all four of you are on your phone? Isn't that, like, depressing, odd, like, weird dystopian future shit. Like, there's four people in a room. You're all supposedly hanging out. And then, for minutes at a time, you're just all individually in your own little world staring at this little, you know, four-inch by five-inch box in your hand. Not even that size. It's weird. Whenever I try to picture that, I just picture... Picture that the phone isn't there, and now it's just four people in a room staring, not talking to each other. It's fucking, like, being being too much of a phone person, it's not even necessarily as it pertains to a relationship. It's just not a good look. You should have a healthy relationship with your phone. It demonstrates that you have better stuff going on, that you actually... Are comfortable being inside your own thoughts you actually have an inner dialogue like you actually think about shit you're not just constantly mindlessly looking for the next dopamine rush from a notification or uh whatever else like you you actually are introspective and have thoughts about things that's i mean it's it's a lot goes into the phone thing alone but just for today's purposes it's it's certainly a red flag um next up uh, I know I said earlier here that someone who doesn't drink at all under any circumstances is a red flag. I'm going to kind of go a 180 on this one and say people that smoke weed habitually and or use prescription drugs. That's right. That's right. I understand that... Uh, when I talk about prescription drugs, I'm talking about um, SSRIs and shit like that. Psychological, mental things. Uh, Adderall, Ritalin, um, Xanax, Percocet, Vivance, Things that are for like anxiety and depression and stimulants for paying attention and, and that kind of stuff. That's what I'm, t- I'm not talking about your fucking pill that you take for your Crohn's disease, okay? Obviously not. Crohn- Although Crohn's disease might be a red flag. It could be a problem down the line. It's just a fact. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about... Um, it's just been my experience, and, and I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again, but just to keep it short for today's purposes, it's... It's... There are some people that have chemical imbalances, I'm sure. There are some people that there's just something fucked up in their brain and and they just don't have enough of this fucking endorphin or whatever and there's just no way they could possibly ever be happy or without anxiety or whatever. That's not most people. Most people are depressed and have anxiety because of their lifestyle, because of their situation. And instead of doing the things, to, they're experiencing... The symptoms of anxiety, but the symptoms of anxiety arise from real things. And so instead of addressing the issues that are, oh, well, you don't like your job, you're not happy with your friend group, you aren't happy in your relationship, you don't work out, you, wake, you don't wake up until late in the day, you know you have no hobbies, blah, 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 blah. Like, all these endless different things that would naturally cause a person to feel anxious and depressed when you take a pill, it allows you to be numb to those symptoms without ever changing any of them. And and a lot of times, anxiety, especially, is a it's it's a body's kind of immune response in a way. Like you know what I find interesting about being sick is a cold doesn't cause you to be like this is going to sound weird because it, it kind of does and it kind of doesn't. It's not the cold that makes you congested and sneezy and have a fever and all that stuff. That is your body's way of getting rid of the cold. So your body gives itself a fever, raises the body temperature to try to cook out the virus, to try to raise the temperature inside, in, internally um, to, so that the, the virus can't, uh, can't live and reproduce or whatever. The congestion is to kind of clear out the nasal passages where you contracted this virus. So you have a bunch of a uh, uh, viral load of of cold or COVID or the flu or whatever in your in your um, in your body, and your body's trying to clear it out. So so these things that actually cause you pain, like a fever, and it makes you fatigued, and your body gets achy because your 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 body is. You know, your muscles get achy because your body is flooding your system with white blood cells that not only are attacking the invading virus, but also that's it. they're attacking your body, too. That's what white blood cells do. That's why you get sore. That's why—so so you get this, like, fatigue and ache. So your body is actually, in a way, trying to—it's hurting itself, in a way, um, banking on the fact that it can deal with more shit than the cold can. So your body's going to put itself in harm's way— hoping that it's going to outlast the thing it's trying to get out of your body. It's an immune response. Anxiety is your body's natural reaction to experiencing discontentment. Or Anxiety is best described as a feeling of general worry because worry is a specific thing. You worry about something. You worry about something. So when you worry, you know what you're worrying about. When you're anxious, it's like a feeling of indiscriminate worry. So there's just—you just have the feeling of worry, but you don't really know what you're worried about. And so it actually takes a lot of introspection to look inside yourself and identify the things that are causing you to feel anxiety. What are the aspects of your life that you could improve that—it's kind of like when you have up a computer, uh, Google Chrome, and you have 96 tabs open— and there's something playing in the background and you don't know what it is and which one is playing the sound and which one's doing this and why is my computer moving slow? Because you have 96 tabs over that you haven't addressed. You have to go through those tabs. Which ones Which ones are slowing down your computer? Which ones are making the noises? Which ones are doing this? You have to do that with your fucking self. And people don't want to do that because that actually requires introspection. It actually requires Accountability and even worse than looking inside and then holding yourself accountable, introspection and accountability, the third step, people's least favorite step, is making a change. Once you've decided to ident- once you've decided to look for the problems, and then once you've identified the problems and held and, and identified them as things you can change, the hardest step is to actually go through the process of changing them. And it's much easier to take a pill. Or some type of drug dependency, or something like that. That's way easier. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but smoking a joint, or coping with things with alcohol to over, to an over a uh, 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 copious degree, or relying on prescription SSRIs and things like that. Taking a pill is way easier than waking up at a at early in the morning and going to the gym, changing your diet re-examining your work situation, your work life, re-examining your relationship, that's like way harder. So I think it does say something about someone when they aren't willing to put in that work or just the mere fact that they're so easily able to be roped into this idea that nothing is your fault. You know, if you feel depressed, it's simply because you just couldn't possibly feel any other way. So the only solution to your problem is a pill. You're just like a... You're just like a slave to your circumstances, and that's just not a good attribute in a person. So yeah, red flag, red flag. Uh, Next up, neediness, number six, neediness. That's going to be a problem. This kind of goes back into the no hobbies thing, but it's more specific because neediness— could it might not just be that you have nothing to do and so that's why you're always trying to hang around me it could be that you 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 almost might even like you want to be involved in my life because you feel like if i'm enjoying myself outside of this relationship that's like a threat to the relationship like you the idea of me having a good day or having fun um, in a venue that, that that my fun or my good day in no way was attached to you that that's oh, some people men and women have an issue with that and um, when they need you to be texting back a lot like they need you know we need to call and talk for three hours a day like no I'm no we don't. no we don't like I don't like I don't need my partner to be up my ass all the time. And, and you know, I'm not saying, you know, I want to be, like, close friends with them as opposed to boyfriend and girlfriend. But there is a line where, you know, you kind of—this is kind of one where you—like the vegan thing where you kind of need to find somebody who's on the same level as you. If you're both needy, I, I don't know. Maybe it could work out. I could see that being an issue because two needy people usually— Um, most relationships are between a person who's very needy and a person who doesn't give that needy person the amount they need. Um, I don't know if two needy people could work out. I do know that two non-needy people could work out. And so I would say I'm definitely certain that uh, a needy person and a non-needy person doesn't work. I'm not too sure over whether or not two needy people could work, but I'm definitely sure that two non-needy people work. So that's why I'm going to have to lean towards just not being fucking needy. And therefore, that's number six on our list of red flags. Number five, bad communicator. I had to throw this in for the women. Women love talking about communication. Um, this could go either way. Um, this kind of entails a lot. Uh, but but mainly it's about people that that can't... Guy, with guys, it's... We kind of just don't want to talk about shit. We deflect. Um, I try not to do this. Um, we either deflect or, or we, we in a lot of cases, we'll just kind of overpower the conversation or, or direct it where we want to go. Ignore the things that you're bringing up that we don't want to talk about and things like that. That's a bad look. That's a bad uh, trait in a guy. With women, um, a lot of it could be. I would say it's probably more with like stonewalling, cold shoulder um you know the classic you know are you mad no i'm fine no I, it's whatever no i don't, no i'm literally fine and then and then you get in an argument because the guy is noticing that the girl is clearly annoyed or frustrated about something unhappy about something and then so then he naturally wants to find out what it is and then the argument inevitably starts from her Insisting that she's not unhappy about anything, even though she's giving every possible physical signal that she is unhappy, and she's doing it consciously to try to get that reaction out of you, and then she gaslights you for noticing it. That's just all around bad, unhealthy behavior. It's it's when you when you come across someone who who doesn't have good communication skills, who can't express how they feel. Um, and also, not, it's not just about how you express yourself. It's about how you listen. So if you come across someone who you don't feel like they're ever actually listening to anything you say, or you, all, or you feel like they're never actually communicating anything that they want to say, and usually it's a combination of both, um, not usually, but a lot of times it is, uh, then, yeah, that's a red flag. So, yeah, number five, bad communication skills. Uh, number four. Head jealousy. Head jealousy. Jealousy. And I'm gonna lump in this. this is more specific. going through your phone and stuff. Oh my God. Oh my God. it's it's up there. We're getting, we're getting we're getting more heavy, as you can see. We're up to number four now where you can start to see that this is getting a little bit more serious. Jealousy is a problem in a relationship. I used to think that it was kind of attractive when i was younger not that it was attractive but i found it kind of flattering like if i liked a girl and then like i you know we were talking and back and forth and like if i if the topic of like another girl came up and she was like oh let me guess you want to talk to her ha 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 like yeah she's so pretty right but like obviously like trying to trying to like shit on the other girl because it's like she wants my attention instead, I would think that it's like, oh, it's flattering. Like, this is how I can tell that you like me because you're jealous. But once you're in a relationship with an actually jealous person, it's extremely stressful. Um, it's not healthy. Because jealousy stems from a lack of, of, of ability to trust. That's really what it is. You can't, if, you can't, if you can't trust someone, you can't have a healthy relationship. And jealous, when you're jealous, it's one thing, like, you know, little minor things of jealousy can be there. I've never personally considered myself a jealous person. Um, but even so, I mean, you still get a little, sometimes you can get a little jealous. Sometimes it can kind of be cute that your girlfriend's a little jealous. I've 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 dated girls, I will say this girls that I've dated that were not generally jealous people, when they did in isolated infrequent seldom moments of jealousy like when they did like say something where you could tell that something got to them like in a moment it was kind of cute and it was kind of like flattering you know but when when you're dating someone who's always like that who's always thinking that you're up to no good who's always you know going through your shit and stuff like that it's extremely stressful it's extremely uh, taxing on the health of the relationship, because it says a lot about them, and it says a lot about what they think about you, you know? And a lot of times, you know, you could—your partner may have had experiences in the past that made them have trust issues, whether it was with other relationship partners or even just family upbringing and stuff like that. I mean, all a myriad of different things can lead to how people bond and stuff like that. It's not just previous intimate partners— um, and so it, then, they, then they, they treat you in the way that they've learned to, to behave in a relationship and how they've learned to love, and it makes you feel like a bad person. It makes you feel like you're doing something wrong because in your mind, you're sitting there thinking like, well, the only way that I could ever imagine treating someone like this is if that person was like a liar and going behind my back and, and warranted being constantly checked up on because I didn't trust them. So, that's how you think, but, and then, but, so, therefore, when you're treated like that by another person, you naturally assume that you're like, wow, am I a liar? Am I a sketchy person? Am I doing shit behind their back? Am I, am I going, am, it makes you feel like a worse person because you're being treated like someone who deserves that type of treatment, and the reality is no one deserves that type of treatment because... Either you're not doing it, in which case you don't deserve to be treated like that, or you are doing stuff that warrants that kind of treatment, in which case that person should break up with you. There's nothing stupider than the old trope of the guy who's constantly running around on his girlfriend and the girl who knows that he's doing it and instead of just fucking breaking up with the dude is constantly trying to catch him in the act, constantly trying to go through his phone and, bitch, break up with him. You you're if 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 you're that fucking stupid to stay in a relationship with a guy that you absolutely 100% know is cheating on you and you feel like the only way you can keep him from cheating on you is by catching him before he's able to do it then you you guys are made for each other. You deserve each other. So yeah, jealousy, going through your phone and shit like that, snooping, uh, it's it's a, it's a red flag. It dude, it, it really is. Everybody knows it. Uh next up Number three, fibbing. Fibbing's a problem. Lying, it, because a lot of times, look, there's such thing as little white lies, and and I don't know the exact definition of a white lie. I'll look it up right now since I have the entire uh, uh, library of all inf- all human information on the internet at my disposal. Uh, white lie definition. I didn't realize how hard it is to type with just this one singular microphone in front of me. It's like, Way harder than you'd think it would be. Here we go. White lie. A harmless or trivial lie, especially one told to avoid hurting someone's feelings. Okay, that's exactly what I thought it was. My interpretation of a white lie is um, when you lie about something because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. That is the only time, in my opinion, that it's okay to lie. Uh, A fib, I would attribute—let's see, let's just make sure my my definitions line up with what the actual definitions are. Yeah, a fib's definition is a lie, typically an unimportant one, so it doesn't include the whole, like, not hurting someone's feelings. So a fib is just a small, seemingly inconsequential lie. A white lie is a small, inconsequential, inconsequential lie to avoid hurting someone's feelings. That's okay. Somebody asks if you like their new haircut, what are you going to say? You know, unless, unless they're like, you know, about to go on a... Unless it's fixable, you know. You know, the old classic, do I look fat in this dress? Like, what are you going to say? Yeah. No. Why would I say that? Oh. Oh, you're 40? You don't look a day over 39. Like, what do you... 40? I would have thought you were 50. Three. No, that's a white lie. That's fine. Honestly, you're kind of a... At that point, if you can't even tell a white lie and you're just constantly going around saying inconsiderate shit to people because it's the truth, then at that point, you're like on autistic levels of of douche. Um, dickery, I should say. But, you know, fibbing, on the other hand, even stuff that you don't think matters, it's a bad thing habit. Lying is a bad habit and that's exactly what it is. You get in the habit of lying and it exposes a deeper issue. The fact that you can feel comfortable telling a lie on a small level means that there is a higher level of potential that you're able to tell a bigger lie. You shouldn't be able to tell a lie at all. Even about the most minor little things There's a, we could think of a billion examples, but at the end of the day, it comes down to transparency and openness with your partner. That's what it comes down to. There shouldn't really be anything that you can't communicate to your partner outside of something that you know would hurt them and would not and could not possibly achieve. Anything good out of them knowing the reality like uh you know if if your husband just had like a small dick and he is like is, do you think my dick is small and you're like, no, because it's like why would you wh- he can't change that so at that point you're just telling him like yeah, no you do, I'm not really fully sexually satisfied, and uh there's nothing you can do about it and other guys I've had sex with in the past uh, were better at it. Like, what? What? That's just, that's horrible. But like, you know, then it's like, well, well, what if I was cheating on them, but I knew it would really hurt them if I told them that? It's like, well, yeah, but that's also, they can, they can that information could be useful to them. No, you're not telling them that you cheated on them because you don't want to hurt them. You're not telling them that you cheated on them because it might cause them to leave you. So you're actually kind of doing it for yourself. And even if even if you are truly not telling them because it hurt them, it would hurt them, you already hurt them by doing it. So now you've put them in a situation to be hurt. The selfish act has already been committed. You're not being unselfish by not telling them about it. You know. So yeah, not much—I I don't feel like I have to go too much more of a deep dive on this very obvious one, but lying-fibbing is is a major red flag for, for both sexes. Um, number two, in the unisex red flags—and we're going to move a little bit faster through the male-female ones, I I promise. I'll try to keep this show under—ideally under an hour and a half if we could, you know, but who who cares? It's a Valentine's Day special. Maybe we'll go longer. Who knows? Um— Shitty exes, constantly talking. Uh, uh, this one, last Valentine's Day, I made a little Instagram reel, and I, I, I concluded my, my diatribe by saying, if you have more than one shitty ex, you're the shitty ex. It is a major red flag. In fact, I have gone so far as to say the number two. Biggest red flag for either person, guy or girl, to have a bad relationship with all of their exes. This is a person. Your ex, that's a, an ex isn't someone that you just kind of like hooked up with for a little bit or that you dated for a little bit but never actually pursued it beyond, uh, you know, like you 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 went on a few dates, the connection wasn't there whatever, that's not an ex. An ex is someone that I would say that I would say there's two definite, we actually talked about this with uh, Matt Brown on uh, the Trap podcast a couple weeks ago. We were trying to determine what qualifies as an ex. And and I believe my stipulations were someone that you have, or at any point, did you call your significant other, such as girlfriend or boyfriend? Like you identify them to them and to other people, or maybe just to them, whatever, as your girlfriend. Or, or, and this is where I include the civil uh, the civil uh, union idea here, because there's, a, I think people talk about that thing when you're married, where you're not technically married. If you live with a person for seven years, like if a man and a woman live together for seven years, they're like legally married or something like that, weird like that. I remember hearing that. That might be a myth, but I, I like the concept of it. It's like, okay, if you've been if you've been dating someone but not dating them, but it's been like three or four months, you can I would say I would say three months. Three months of consistent dating. That is your ex. Whether or not you ever called them your boyfriend or girlfriend. Because if I think back to my romantic history, I would say that I don't think I've ever dated someone for longer than three months without dating them for like a year or two at least. Like every, that, the three-month gap, the three-month bump seems to be a very pivotal threshold. You can be talking to somebody, sometimes you only go on one date, sometimes you go on a couple dates, so, you know, you're talking for like a week or two. Sometimes you're talking for a month, a month and a half, and then it kind of fizzles out. But, but once you've been talking to someone for, I would say, yeah, two to three months of consistently talking, um, that's your ex. And here's another one. You might like this one because I do. Once you have met up with that person. Okay, so once you've had sex, once sex has entered the relationship, because this obviously doesn't apply before you've ever had sex. If you just met the person and you went on a date and you didn't have sex, that, that this doesn't apply. But once you have entered, once sex has entered your relationship, maybe it was the first time you went out, maybe it was a couple weeks later, maybe it was a month later, depending on how slow you guys took it. But once sex has entered the relationship and you guys are officially sexually intimate, the moment... You have hung out together and not had sex. That's your ex. Because when relationships first start, usually if you're having sex with the other person, every time you hang out, you're going to have sex. It's like a given. It's like, oh, I just met this girl a month ago. We've been talking. I see her like once or twice a week. She's going to come over, blah, blah, blah. Obviously at some point during that hangout experience, you're going to have sex. If they sleep over, the moment she sleeps over, and you guys didn't have sex? You guys just totally like slept over like a fucking long-term relationship couple that just didn't have sex that night or a married couple who like whatever? That's your fucking ex. That is your ex. So those are the three stipulations. At any point, identified each other as girlfriend and boyfriend. Um. Dated for... Dated consisten- consistently for... Three or more months, regardless of identifying as girlfriend or boyfriend. And after being sexually active, have slept over each other's places without having sex. And I'm also going to add being exclusive, like being outwardly exclusive to that too. If you guys ever like said outwardly, like it was understood and spoken that like, yeah, we're exclusive. That's your ex exclusive. Um, so those are your three. So, so that's a person, any, a person who's meets any of those requirements with you has taken up a, a a significant portion of your life that of all the billions of people on the planet that you could have picked, you picked that person. And like I said, last year, you're telling me that every single person that you've picked Sucks? Again, maybe you suck. At the very least, you have terrible judgment in people. And I feel like it's kind of difficult to be a good person yourself uh, if, if you can't pick out a good person in another person. It's kind of like one of those takes one to know one type of things. If you're, if you're, if you're a good person... If you're not a good person, that might be why it's hard for you to pick out a good person because you don't know what the fuck a good person is because you're not one of them. You know, people think it might be weird to have good relations. I'm not saying you got to be best buddy old pals with your exes. But if you ask me about any single person that I've dated that on that level, I have great things to say about them. Obviously, I can talk about the things, you know, obviously, why we're not dating anymore. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. You know, I'm not saying obviously, you know, you broke up. So something didn't work. But overall, a person that you called your significant other that you gave your life that you were exclusive to, that you dated someone with the intention of of marriage, which is I don't see why else you would date someone who dates with the intention of breaking up. What's the point of that? Oh, yeah, she's my girlfriend, but I don't plan on marrying her. Why? Then why? Why is she your girlfriend then? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of dating? Just just be hooking up or whatever. you know. So this is a person that you opened up the gate to potentially spend the rest of your life with and they all sucked? That's a bad look. I'm sorry, it's a bad look. Saying your ex is a piece of shit is not the flex you think it is. It says a lot about you. Everybody gets one. There's your olive branch. Everybody gets one shitty ex. You get one... Mulligan. I know some people with some shitty ex. You got cheated on once. Whatever. It was a young. You were younger. You were in a relationship with a person who wound up being a piece of shit. By the way, I don't count anything before uh, late high school as an ex either. Just throwing that out there before we move on. A girl. You. The only way you can count a high school girlfriend is if you dated for. Uh, I would say at least one year over the age of 14 and you had sex. But I, I'm not even convinced about that. It's, I, that's a tough one for me. But I'm also 31 years old, so I rarely consider high school. Also, I didn't get any play in high school, so it doesn't affect my, my lineup here, but whatever we, when you hear somebody bring up their like high school girlfriend, like they were like sophomores in high school, 15 years old. It's like, yeah, yeah. I also, uh, had a crush on this girl named Megan in kindergarten too. Should we talk about that? Like you're a fucking kid. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's number two. And number one, this goes without saying, folks, I think that this is about as close to an absolute deal breaker Uh, As you can get without actually definitely being a deal breaker. And that is, this person has cheated on previous partners in the past. Number one, absolute major, major red flag. Guy, girl doesn't matter. That is the ultimate betrayal. It really is. It really is. I almost find it kind of difficult to be extremely close friends on any level. Not that i never hung out with any dudes that have cheated on people before. Like, you know, it's some- not everybody's perfect. But it bleeds into every aspect of everything. And and it says so much about you that you, the person that you're closest with, you are capable of betraying them. Now, there's differences in cheating. There's, were you actively having an affair for an extended period of time behind their back and hiding it that is obviously worse than did you make a mistake one night but I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that either way in my opinion it's kind of a deal breaker for me it doesn't have to be a deal breaker for you um if it happens to me in a relationship I have I don't care I don't care if it was a mistake. I don't care if you were to me. If it was a one-night thing or a a one-year thing, it's over. I can't. I can't do that. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be okay with that. I'm never gonna get over it. I'm just gonna be miserable. Even when I think I'm over it, it's gonna pop back in my head. I'm never gonna be able to be fully happy in that relationship. And I feel like I deserve more than that. So I'm not gonna fucking put up with that um, in the relationship. As far as previous relationships. I think for me, it's an absolute deal breaker if you were actively cheating on your partner for an extended period of time. I think that that would absolutely make me say, yeah, this our relationship isn't going any further if you had the capacity to do that in the past. The past does matter. I know in today's age, we try to, the past, you know, it's, it's you know, whatever, just focus on the now, like that was the past. It's like, no, a lot of times, you know, maybe there are people that can make drastic changes in their life, but most people, that that level of ability to betray your partner is kind of, I don't think that you can change that in a matter of months or a couple years. Like, a lot of your brain is kind of set by the time you're 25, and if you're in, like, a mature relationship and then go behind that person's back and are fucking someone else, uh... You had the. This is the person that you love. This is the person you're close with, and you were able to look at them straight in the fucking face and say nothing's going on, and, and continue to do what you wanted to do, knowing that it would hurt them if they ever found out, that it would kill them if it ever if they ever found out, and you still did it. I don't know. The past matters. The past does matter. You know, we try to talk about body count and shit like that, and that's one thing I'm not going to get into. Um, I, I think that there's levels of matter. I don't think that anything in the past is completely irrelevant, particularly as it pertains to this issue. Um, so the mistake thing, like I said, if I'm in the relationship and it's a one-night mistake versus an affair, it's done either way. If I'm starting to date a person who made a mistake in the past, like, oh, um, I got really drunk one night and I accidentally fucked my friend's roommate and I barely even remember it. I can't believe I did it. And my boyfriend was so sad and we broke up and I feel so horrible about it. And it's like, I'm not thrilled about that. I am not thrilled about that. And let me tell you something. A lot of times I don't buy it. A lot of times in situations like that, especially women, sorry to say it, uh, they tend to kind of overemphasize or maybe just embellish a little bit how fucked up they were when it comes to a got a hookup that they had that they aren't proud of. Not not saying that they accuse them of rape in all instances. That's not where I'm going with this. But if you notice, uh, there was a lot of time. Whereas a guy, you know, if he hooks up with a girl, that he's just kind of like, yeah, jeez, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Like, we're not gonna sit there and be like, I had no idea what I was doing. I I don't know. I just remember like just like kind of like coming to and when, when he was like on top of me and it's like they're like again they're not saying they were raped but they're just they're just really trying to sell the idea that they're like yeah that was that wasn't me i mean i i'm not capable of making that mistake i'm not saying you know he didn't do anything wrong like we were we were talking the whole night or whatever so like i can, it's not like he like sniped me out or whatever but like I'm just saying, girls will definitely over, especially if it's like they cheated on their boyfriend. No girl's gonna, if she has the option to say, if she's the type of girl that could make that mistake. First of all, I don't buy it. I'm, I'm, I drink a lot. I drink a lot, and I've been very, I've been to almost every level of drunk uh, that you can be, and at no point have I ever made that mistake. Um, and it's not that I haven't had, uh, you know, been in situations where I could have made that mistake. Um, and it's not that. Like, I just don't buy it that you get so drunk you forget you have a girlfriend or you forget you have a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. Like, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I don't fucking buy it. Maybe you can argue that you get so drunk that you just don't care, at which point that's kind of a problem because there's a difference between being so debilitatingly drunk that you're not even consciously aware of what you're doing um, versus just getting too drunk and making a mistake. Losing some inhibitions and in doing it. And so, yeah, the girl said, well, you know, I, 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 like, I, I was too drunk and I did this and they're like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I'm sure that you were a level of drunk that I have been in the past. I'm sure you didn't reach some unprecedented, uncharted level of drunk that I could never perceive. I'm probably, if it's a Saturday night, I'm probably that level of drunk right now. Having this discussion with you and remembering it and talking about it in full length. The next day. Meanwhile, you proceeded to fuck some other dude that wasn't your boyfriend. I don't know. I'm going to leave that one up to you. But what I'm not going to leave up to you is just saying that overall, a person with a history of infidelity is out of here. It's over. I'm sorry. It's, It's a fucking red fucking flag. Like my mom always says, if they cheated on them, They'll cheat on you. You see all the time, you know, these people are, you know, these like, you know, there'll be a couple and then one of them cheats on them with another person and then they wind up dating that other person. And and if you're that other person, you got to be thinking like, wow, the person I'm dating was literally cheating on their other significant, uh, with their other partner with me. What makes me think they're not going to do that to me? It's like the most cut and dry thing ever. It's just it's just a bad look. I'm actually... I, I've actually decided... I think I'm going to make this a two-part episode here. Because I, I, I... It's getting up on... It's getting up on 5 o'clock. And I still have 20 more red flags to go. 10 for the men, 10 for the women. And uh, that's just simply a lot. 30 red flags for one episode? Holy shit. Holy shit. So what I think I'm going to do is... Uh, Make this, again, I'll make it a two-part episode. Get this one out to you here so you can go through and consult on the special day. And then, you know, Side Chick Thursday, the day after Valentine's Day, drop the uh, part two where we go through the guys and girls specifically. How's that sound? All right. Day after Valentine's Day, the Valentine's Day hangover. I think that sounds good. I think that I think that makes more sense than dropping a 3-hour long episode where you have to sit and listen to 30 red flags with a 5-minute explanation of each one of them. I think that's I think that's better served as two courses, don't you? I do. Um before I leave though, no holiday is too important for gambling. I gotta throw you some rook looks. But first, let's let's talk about our our results last night. How do we do? You ask. Well, you should know. Are you not paying attention? Last night we had, I believe, three bets. One of them was a bonus bet from our no sweat loss two nights ago. Uh last night, uh, two college basketball bets and an NBA bet. Uh In the college basketball front, we did not perform very well. Uh, Wisconsin, we had minus nine against Ohio State. They won by eight. Unreal. They won 62 to 54, so that did not cover. We lost by a point, um, so that's minus one unit. Um, Also in college basketball, we had Butler. Plus four and a half, four, whatever, didn't matter, uh, versus Marquette they lost by six. So two very close losses last night. On the bright side with the Butler bet, that was a bonus bet. So we already factored that unit loss into our net. So that loss last night has no effect. We didn't lose uh, two units. We didn't lose a unit last night. We just didn't win it back. So that allowed us with our win last night, which was in the NBA We had the Sacramento Kings plus five and a half against the Suns. And holy shit, did they just barely cover. They lost by five. We won that bet by half a point. That's right. Sacramento uh, lost to the Suns 125 to 130. So our plus five and a half just barely got us over the hump. That was boosted up to plus 115, which means that was a 1.15 unit profit. Subtracting one unit for our Wisconsin loss, Wisconsin loss, and then subtracting no units for the Butler bonus bet loss, that leaves us with a 0.15 unit profit last night. So tack that on to our running total, and that brings us to 1.49 unit net since we launched this. That's right. Basically, a one and a half unit net. That's what we're working with right now, and that's after 11 bets, which gives us a 13.55% yield. We're looking good. We're looking good. So let's keep it rolling. Tonight, um, looks like we got a decent amount of boosts going. Uh, first and foremost on FanDuel, there's a 30% NBA live boost. I hate the live boost. You have to be like a fucking wizard, but I told you how to do it. Just wait till the game starts. Be ready. The games always start 10 minutes after they say they're going to start. So if it says seven, it's 710. I think FanDuel actually does say the real exact time, but just be looking at it. Be ready for it. Usually, you know, so like 710, I don't know what exactly what time this game is, but I'm saying Kings Nuggets over 229 and a half. I didn't particularly like any game tonight um decent amount of injuries across the board. This had the least amount. Um this was probably the most predictable of all games and my model was pretty much dead on with the uh Vegas lines. Vegas has uh the line at over under 229 and a half. My model said 230 and a half. So I'm just going to go with the over, you know. I'm going to go with my model, the one point advantage, whatever and say yeah, Kings Nuggets over 229 and a half. Basically, I'd take the over on anything less than 230 and a half. And then if it goes above that by the time the game starts and you have to live boost on 231 and a half, take the fucking under. You know? Just use 230 and a half as your marker. Whatever the line is uh at the beginning of the game when you lock in the live bet. You got it. Um DraftKings has a few. There's that 50% any sport boost they're rocking uh until uh, tomorrow tomorrow's the last day, I think. Um, I'm throwing that on Purdue Fort Wayne, not Purdue, regular Purdue, Purdue Fort Wayne. Um, they are playing Oakland, and I think Oakland, and they they're predicted to be a dead even match. It's a pick' on the spread. My model has them as like five point favorites. So I'm saying take the money line. I mean, I I can't see why there's so much of a discrepancy. Maybe I'm missing something. I I might be. I don't fucking know, but it's a boosted bet, so fuck it. Uh, So the Vegas line has Purdue as like a slight, slight underdog. It was like minus 108 to minus 112, Um, but you boost that up, and that brings you up to like a solid like plus 130 or something, so you know, whatever. Yeah, Purdue-Fort Wayne money line. Um, boost that with the all-sports boost. The clash on the court tonight on DraftKings, the 50% clash in the court, game of the night boost, um, Auburn versus South Carolina. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about this because my model is, is dead on with the spread. Pretty much. Close enough. Um, I'm actually going to check back in on that line as we're speaking now uh, just to see if anything has changed. Let's see. Um, my model has Auburn as 12 and a half point favorites. Now, Vegas, last I checked, the line is 11 and a half and it's, let's refresh. Okay. So the line has moved. It's still sitting at 11 and a half, but you apparently, well, we have to focus on DraftKings. Let's see what DraftKings is. Because this will this will be the determining factor. If we can get minus eleven, I'll take minus eleven on DraftKings. If not, let's see. Command F on. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. It's minus eleven, but the payout's minus one eighteen. That's a so substantial. You know what? I'm just gonna say it. Guys, let's take the over. The line has moved down to over under 136 on DraftKings. My model says 144.8 for this game. I am feeling the over. I think I'm feeling the over. So let's go ahead and lock that in. Auburn versus South Carolina. Over 136 on DraftKings. And last but not least, we got a couple hockey bets. First off the bat, um, two boosts. I, I don't really mess with hockey, but you know a boost is a boost, and who gives a shit? Um, there is a first goal tent in the goal in the first ten minutes bet bonus bet on DraftKings as well for the Florida Panthers Pittsburgh Penguins game. Uh, the going Vegas line is something like minus one forty. Last I checked, and you can get it up to plus one hundred. So it's basically a bet that has about a 60% chance of hitting based off Vegas odds um, that you can get it plus 100, which is great. So I max that out, put a unit on that. Yeah, yes, goal in the first 10 minutes. Hopefully that hits. And MGM has a 25% NHL boost as well. So I figured, fuck it. If I'm already going to be paying attention to the Panthers game, might as well... Throw it on that game as well, so I boosted up the Panthers, which were sitting at minus125 at the time, boosted that up to plus 100. So I guess my hockey picks tonight are Florida Panthers money line, uh, and yes, goal in the first 10 minutes for that game. Uh, also, of course, King's Nuggets over 229 and a half, Purdue Fort Wayne money line, and Auburn, South Carolina over 136. Folks, happy betting out there. Happy Valentine's Day. Glad to do it as always. My name is Jimmy Selesky. Till next time. Peace.